Welcome to the Italian Legal Whisperer podcast, hosted by attorney Michele Capecchi. This podcast is a new endeavor created by the international yet Italian law firm Capecchi Legal, specializing in global mobility, real estate, Italian citizenship, and helping people move their life, business, and family to Italy. And here's our host, the Italian legal whisperer, Michele Capecchi. Buongiorno, everyone. My name is Michele Capecchi. I'm an international lawyer, and my law firm, Capecchi Legal, is based in Florence, Italy. Welcome to my new legal podcast. Here with me is Monica Sharp. Hello, Monica. Hello. And Monica is a member of our legal team. She's been working with us for almost four years. Oh, gosh, time passed so quickly. And she has been helping us at Capecchi Liga tremendously in coordinating communication with our new clients and old clients. Monica will be co-hosting this new podcast with me, but before passing the microphone to her, I wanted to explain the purpose of this podcast. Capecchi Legal is a global mobility law firm that I created almost 20 years ago that offers support to hundreds of people every year. Many of these people dream of moving to Italy, or at least spending an extended amount of time here. They also ask us to help to set up a company or bring here their professional activity. They want to buy their dream house in some special place in Italy. And when it's possible, they want us to help them obtain Italian citizenship. Unfortunately, many of these people contact us after reading misleading information that they have found online. I'm not saying that everything that you find online is wrong, but believe me, every case is different and not everything online fits your needs. Our goal with this podcast is therefore to provide a comprehensive roadmap for anyone who is interested in creating a new business in Italy or moving their life and family to Italy and to teach how to avoid some of the most common mistakes that can transform your Italian endeavor into a real nightmare. In every episode, we will gain insights from the experience of our past and current clients, incredible people who have seen their Italian dream come true. We hope to give you a set of practical tips that will help you start your Italian journey off on the right foot. And now let's jump into today's episode where Monica and I will pass through some of the hottest topics we will cover in the incoming episodes. So Monica, you are American and actually Finnish by blood, but you've been living in, in Italy for a long while now. And you are uh, one of the most reliable and trustworthy member of the expat community in Florence. And I'm sure that all, not only when you, you're in the office with us, but also outside when you're living your life in Florence, you speak very often with people that just arrived from abroad. So help me, help us to put together a list of the most common misleading information that people can have about moving to Italy. I'm happy to do so, Michele. By way of introduction, as Michele said, my name is Monica Sharp. I have been living in Florence now for going on seven years and have been living, traveling, and working in Europe off and on since 1993. In the United States, before I moved to Florence, my professional occupation was immigration support and advocacy for people wanting to go to the U.S., in visa statuses to work or study or to reunite with their families. So it's been very interesting coming to work with Michele and his legal team on the other side of the looking glass to experience what Americans see coming 
in this direction to Italy from the U.S. And of course, being American, I myself, with my children and my husband, have gone through all of these processes personally. So I'm very aware of how difficult and sometimes confusing it can be, but also the great feeling that comes when you finally achieve your goal. Your experience, Monica, like the stories we will cover during our talk will be critically important to point out some of the worst mistakes to avoid. For instance, how often do we meet people who just jumped in our office in person and without appointment while they are visiting Italy as tourists? And they decided to extend their stay just because someone told them that they can actually ask the local police to the immigration office to extend their tourist status. Or some people think that they can refill their 90 days as tourists by just spending a weekend outside of Italy, maybe going to Switzerland or in England. Or even worse, or definitely much more critical for these people, people that come to us asking to set up their residency, we will talk about residency later on, just because they purchase a house in Italy. Because they own a property in Italy, they can automatically stay here as long as they want. These type of mistakes can cost these people a lot, Monica, right? That is so true. People think, I'm going to get on the plane and fly to Italy, and I'll wave in on my tourist visa, and I'll just work it out when I get there. It'll be fine. Which is actually the opposite. In fact, this is one of the first subjects we normally cover during our meetings with our new clients. Don't assume that you can find a way to stay in Italy when you are already in Italy. If your goal is to come to stay longer than 90 days, we need to determine what type of visa will allow you to stay in Italy without limitations. A visa is a special sticker that is attached and provided by the Italian consulate and of the place where you're living. Therefore, it's not possible to come as a tourist and then while you're here, apply for a visa because that requires, again, a sticker that only the Italian consulate can put on your passport. What else, Monica? A lot of times, Michele, we get people coming to the office and they say, we're just going to buy a house, or we already bought a house, and this is going to be a way we can stay in Italy indefinitely because we've purchased a property. Hell, this is a crazy subject. Like We saw people bawling in tears when they found out, I purchased a house and I tried to register myself as a resident. This is another big subject that will be covered. What is a residenza? What is a permanent domicile you get in Italy? I said, I went to register myself as a resident to remain in Italy, and it came out that actually I cannot do that because I don't have a permit to stay. But I thought that my property is a permit to stay that I need to be in Italy. And it's completely wrong because anybody, especially if they're coming from America, from Canada, from Australia, they can buy a property without limitation, even as a tourist. But having a property does not mean that you can stay in Italy. That's a great point, Michele. And you know, it makes me think of a client we had a year or two ago who asked you, what is the Italian golden ticket? What is the golden ticket? How much do I have to invest or what do I have to buy to just be able to get the passport or stay? Michele, is there an Italian golden ticket? Very good question, Monica. Well, Italy does not have a golden visa. Italy created a program for big investors whereby if you invest a certain capital, if you have a certain amount of money you can invest in Italy, you can qualify for a business or a big investor visa. Or if you can rely on a so-called passive income, money generated by pensions or rent or by the dividend of your own company, 
you can potentially qualify for the so-called elective residency visa. But again, these cases, there are rules that must be respected and subject to a very severe scrutiny of the Italian consulate. So, in other words, having a lot of money in your bank does not mean that you have a golden visa. Great. We also hear often from clients and people who inquire that they have obtained a Codice Fiscale, (laughs) which is the equivalent of a social security number in the U.S. It's a taxpayer identification number. Michele, does a Codice Fiscale enable a non-Italian to work in Italy? Codice Fiscale is basically a social security number, as you said. It doesn't imply the possession of the requirement to stay in Italy to work. You can open Partita IVA, of course, or you can start working, but to stay in Italy, a Codice Fiscale does not allow you to stay. Again, you need to pass through the visa process with the Italian consulate and then eventually a permit to stay. Great. And there are a lot of other stories, Monica, like we worked on a daily basis with citizenship and people applying, trying to recuperate their Italian citizenship because they have their parents, their grandparents, great-grandparents born in Italy. And they have a lot of a wrong assumption, like tell us like some of what happened to you to read more often when they write us, because you are the first one reading the email. You know. Definitely. I'm, I feel like you I'm the filter. front line <laughs> yes. for those stories that come in. And I want to say that Italy is extremely open, even now, today, with respect to obtaining citizenship by descent, which means that you can get Italian citizenship if you have a Italian-born relative who was alive after nationhood, right, yeah. which was 1865. Yeah, 1865. So many people, in many ways, can qualify for this, but they hear bits and pieces, they read things online, they have a friend in New York, they have a friend of a friend, and a lot of times they come to us with questions. Michele, I would like to get Italian citizenship. This is an example, but I've heard it's just impossible to get. Well, we face two opposite situations, Monica. As you said, some people arrive to us very discouraged and believing that getting a visa or obtaining Italian citizenship will be a long shot and basically impossible to get. And honestly, we are so excited when we show these people that actually they have an excellent case. Sometimes they didn't even know that they have a potential route to become a citizen or to come to live in Italy. Sometimes you don't take into consideration useful information or information that come out during our preliminary interview. So as we say, never say never. Other times, and this is equally common situation we're facing, we meet people that arrive to us convinced that they have already collected all the requested documents and their case is ready to be filed either in court or at the consulate. (laughs) Well, very often those are the people that are creating more problems to us and are more time-consuming cases because actually the documents collected by these people are very incomplete. So that's the reason why the preliminary assessment we have and that we offer to our new clients at the beginning of a new collaboration, it is so important. I think you make a great point, Michele, that so many of our initial inquiries come to us and people assume that because they have done their own research online or talked to a friend that they have a full and complete understanding of their options, regardless of whether they're talking about citizenship by descent or a visa. And I just want to emphasize here how important it is to get the opinion of an expert a legal expert because you can read articles online and talk to friends and friends of friends and your third cousin all you want but to really get an accurate analysis of what your situation is and what your options are you need to talk to somebody who really knows the Italian system 
Yeah. You know, it's like one of those situations where you said, do I need a lawyer to buy a property? Do I need a lawyer to apply for a visa? Technically, no. It's not mandatory. It's not going in court where you need to have legal representation. But how did you say the other day? Like, would you you fix your kitchen by Yeah, yourself? would you remodel your own bathroom? <laughs> the do-it-yourself? Like, it's yeah. possible to go online and read a 200-page PDF about plumbing and tiling and electricity. But what's your bathroom going to look like yeah. at the end of that? And, and again, <laughs> this is like... Obviously, it's going to most very often we, myself, find myself having to call a plumber and spending more time because he has also to fix the problem that I created first place instead of calling in the first day. And unfortunately, sometimes in a very nice way, we try to tell people, why didn't you come here when you started this process? Why you come here now? There are so many pitfalls in real estate market in Italy and in citizenship applications, in visa applications that can really cost you a lot of money and can prevent these problems with, with some legal support at the beginning of it. I want to talk just for a second about some common misconceptions that people have when they come to us with questions about obtaining dual citizenship, Italian citizenship. And I think one of the number one questions we get, Michele, is I would like to obtain Italian citizenship by descent through my family, but am I going to have to pay taxes in Italy? There is a very common misconception related to the fact that if I am an Italian citizen, I have automatically to pay taxes in Italy, which is actually not the case all the time. The Italian citizenship per se doesn't determine that you have to file and pay taxes in Italy. Only if you live in Italy, if you're spending in, in Italy a substantial part of your life, only if you live in Italy more than 183 days per year, or you have your permanent residency in Italy, then you are liable to file and report your worldwide income to the Italian authorities. But if you are an Italian citizen who is living outside of Italy, if you maintain your permanent residency in United States, in Canada, wherever you want, and you only come as an Italian citizen every now and then in Italy, you don't have any annual obligation to file your taxes with the Italian authorities. The same principle applies to those who are not Italian but spending a lot of time in Italy. There is an obligation, again, to file and report your worldwide income to the Italian authorities, not because you are an Italian citizen, but because you're spending a majority of your time over the year in Italy. Mm -hmm. That's very clear. I think it's also difficult for Americans because if you're a U.S. citizen with a U.S. passport, you are obligated to file taxes regardless of where you live. It's connected to your passport and your citizenship. No, that's not the case. The fact that in Italy it's tied to your physical presence in the country, even when you have the Italian passport, is a really important distinction. Absolutely. So there are so many interesting stories like you were telling me something about you're attending driving school now right i am i am finally <laughs> working on getting my italian driver's license because another peculiarity of moving to italy as an american is that even though i've been driving for 30 years in the u.s i do not have an italian driver's license and there's no reciprocity between italy and the united states so if you stay in Italy more than a year, you have to get an Italian driver's license to be able to lawfully drive. So up until now, I've been walking around Florence, which is beautiful, riding my bike, which I love, but I need a driver's license. So I'm in Scuola Guida, driving school, like I'm 16 again. <laughs> it's making me feel very young, so I love that. But as you can imagine, the driving school is full of foreign people like me who are not Italian, except for the instructor Lorenzo. And people have so many questions about living in Italy 
they've moved here. They're trying to figure out what residenza is. Can they drive? What can they do? And every class break, ever since they found out what type of work I'm doing in Florence, I am peppered with questions about my apartment lease, my driver's license, my residenza, my permesso di soggiorno. What is the matter with the questura? Since you started driving school, we are out of business cards. Like we have to reorder <laughs> business cards. <laughs> I keep on giving you, and you keep on like burning every time you go there talking with these people. It's, it's incredible. But yes, it, it's true. The fact itself that we have so many people that purchase a car when oh. they arrived here thinking, well, I got my international driving license from, what is AAA in AAA, America? AAA, it costs $25. It is the easiest and process. And I can renew it. I keep renewing. You have an idea, probably in 15 years ahead, probably 10 people at least that got their car towed, not only towed, but seized by... Yep. Impounded. Impounded gone. because they were stopped with one of those random check on the street. The policeman with the red lollipop. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they can do it because it's their job to control the territory. So they, without reason, asking you to pull over just for a regular random check of your documents. It comes out that you have an internet, you've been living in Italy and they find out very quickly because in our database, they know exactly when you arrived. You can pretend that you have a new passport or a new visa or you just arrived. If they want to be meticulous in checking out when you arrived and you've been here for more than a year, they'll find out. And let me tell you, when it comes out that you own a car and you're driving it without a valid driving license, you find yourself in big troubles because they can't take away your car. Yeah, this is always shocking to people, the 10,000 euro fine and the cars impounded. Or my other favorite too is when people ship themselves their own cars from the United States to Italy without even checking if they'll be able to drive it for more than a year. We had a couple of interesting clients that said, we just have a car arriving to Livorno. <laughs> okay. well, how long is it going to take to be able to drive? Is that do you know that you have to re-immatriculate, which is basically passing through European new regulation on pollution and safety measures of driving that most of the time that you're going to spend so much money in obtaining a European Union or Italian car plate, adding to the shipping is going to cost you more than selling and buying a new car here. So Yeah, I know Americans love their cars, but people, there's beautiful cars for sale in Italy. You can buy a brand new Cinquecento. You'll be so happy and you can find parking. It's very fashionable nowadays it driving is. this. I have a dear friend who came with a 911 Porsche and obviously it didn't bring it here. And after a year of living here, decided to buy a car and is now driving happily with his Cinquecento in Florence. Right, Rob? And he's probably, if he's listening to us, he knows what I'm talking about. And he said, this is the best purchase I could do. It's so fashionable. Everybody's looking at me. So he's very happy to move from 911 Porsche to his fashionable Cinquecento that can be parked in any little corner of a city. And of course, when I say Fiat Cinquecento, I'm referring to, I think on the American market is sold as a Fiat 500. So it's very nice little car that you can really park whatever you want. I have a feeling, Monica, that for today we covered a lot. We already have so much, how do you say, meat? So much meat. <laughs> so many food for thought for the next episode where we're going to cover each one of the subjects we started talking about today more in detail. We're going to talk about different kind of visa. We're going to talk about how to buy a property, avoiding all the pitfalls of the real estate market. In Italy, we're going to talk about citizenship with all the different kind of citizenship application can be submitted in Italy from the consulate and passing through the court system. There is so much we have to talk about, Monica. 
There is. There is. Happy to be here with you today, Michele. Amazing. So stay tuned, stay focused, and waiting for the next episode. And remember to like and subscribe on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and all the usual social media channels for more information. Amazing. Buona giornata. Bye-bye. Ciao. If you are ready to make your Italian dream come true, feel free to peruse the articles on Michele Capecchi's website, or you can contact him directly by visiting capecchilegal.com. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal advice. You should always seek professional legal advice before taking actions based on the information provided. Stay tuned for more episodes and visit capecchilegal.com slash podcasts for the full list of episodes.